Are you frustrated with your government contracting journey? Do you feel like there's just something missing in your business, but you just can't put your finger on it? Are you finding enough opportunities? Are you struggling to win the few opportunities you do find? Do you have a plan of attack or a strategy for this market? Would you like somebody to review your current approach? Maybe it's time to consider getting a coach. Our team of coaches have helped our clients win over $13.6 billion in government contracts. We've figured out how to help companies just like you accelerate in this market. Market. If you want to find out if coaching is for you, go to federal-access.com forward slash govcon coaching today and fill out a coaching application. I will personally respond to your application and schedule a time for us to talk about your business. There's no cost for the session. There's no obligation. There's no hard sell or anything like that. What I will guarantee you is I will review your top challenges and give you detailed advice. And if coaching makes sense for you, I'll walk through your options. Visit federal-access.com forward slash govcon coaching today to get started. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. I've got my good friend and one of our coaches here with us, David Neal on. David, I know not everybody knows who you are, so why don't you take a minute before we dive in and talk about today's topic to tell everybody a little about who you are and what you do. Great, Mike. Good to see you again and nice to be with everyone. First of all, you're looking great. You've survived COVID. (laughs) You've made it through. Yes, that's right. Uh, My name is David Neal. I'm one of the coaches and consultants on Federal Access. My background is been selling to the federal government for about 20 years, and I have worked primarily for three 8A companies. And my passion, why I like to get out of bed in the morning, is to help the economically disadvantaged small businesses sell their product or service to the federal government. So for the last six years, I have been the managing partner of David Neal Consulting, in which have helped numerous uh, small businesses do just that. And then to join forces with federal access to be a part of Game Changers, really it's just a, a wonderful privilege that I consider. So we're here today, to, I think, to talk about set-asides and small business yeah. and economically disadvantaged small businesses. So that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's, it's a great topic. And, you know, I think as we talk about that, the one thing that everybody comes to us regardless of their status, but especially a lot of the status companies come and say, hey, how do I fill my pipeline? And I know we're going to talk about that throughout this conversation, you know, how how these small businesses, how these set-asides can fill their pipeline. You know, you and I were talking right before we hit record today about different philosophies and coaches and things like that, and how even some of us on the same team have slightly different philosophies. And I think sometimes that confuses people, yet the thing that I I see with a lot of folks is if I say do it this way, they think that's the only way. And they also think that's to be used every single time. It's like most people only have one knife instead of a Swiss army knife (laughs) where like to me, a lot of these different philosophies that you and I share about sales, about marketing, about positioning your small business, you really got to judge the situation on which blade you pull out of the Swiss army knife because you may lead with your status in a certain situation, but then a lot of times you're not. And that's where like the art and science comes in of when do you do what? And I thought that was a really 
really good conversation that we were having before. And I just want to mention that out of the gate for folks so they could understand that. You know, let's let's just dissect what you said. And I, I want to circle back to that. So I come from the, of course, the minority angle. I come from the small business angle. I come from the 8A angle. So of course, when I'm talking, and that's my passion, that's my background, that's who I am as a minority, of course, that's going to be front and center with myself. Now, what I have learned over the years is in each situation, you don't always run in the door waving your hand saying, hey, I'm an 8A company, or I'm a service disabled veteran owned company, or I'm a hub zone, or I'm a woman owned. You never ever do that in every, every situation. Now, when you're talking to certain people, certain people where small business goals and small business categories, where that's their job within the federal government. They might be a small business utilization contractor, a small business program manager. Where that matters to them, of course, in your introduction, you always want to mention your economically disadvantaged you know, status. It's very, very important, not only to you, but it's important to them. Yeah. But like I mentioned, if you're having a technical conversation or if you've moved on and you're talking to someone else in the organization where your economically disadvantaged status means nothing to them, you don't lead with that. You don't mention that. That conversation is about your capabilities. It's about your past performance. It's about the opportunity that you're looking at for the agency. You're right, and I love this. Each of us within Federal Access have a different background, have a different passion, and have had success from top to bottom. And that's the great thing then is to figure out what situation are you going into? Is this the first time talking with anybody in the agency and you're going in for a nice introductory meeting? Well, they need to know everything about you, not only your economically disadvantaged you know, status, they need to know your NACE codes. They need to know your capabilities on a small, certain level. They need to know, are you registered? What types of registration? registrations do you have? Are you in SAM? So you could go on and on and on with that type of conversation. I do want to circle back to one other thing that you said, because one of the things that I see small businesses really get confused about, and I think we're really going to dive into this, is what's the difference then between a funnel and a pipeline? Really, I've spent a lot of time this last year, I think, helping people with their funnel and their pipeline. One of the big things that we define, or from my standpoint of view, the funnel is that catch-all. We're going to look at opportunities and we're going to just throw everything into that funnel. We're interested in this, or it's got a certain set-aside category, or it's got our NACE code, or this is the agency that we've picked out that we want to work with. And so, yeah, we're just throwing things into that funnel. Well, there's a lot of work that goes from the funnel to the pipeline. One of the best tools that we have on federal access is our bid, no bid capture management piece of paper. I think it's got like 34, 35 different questions. So once that's in the funnel and then you start asking yourself some of these questions, did it have my NACE code? Does it have the set aside category? Do we know the program manager? Do we know who the incumbent is? And these questions are titles. And then underneath that, they really, we really do a great job of breaking that down into some individual questions that we have to think about. And then there's a percentage and and rating to the side. And as you're putting yeses and nos, you're going to be able to calculate a really, really good number. And if you're at 80, 85, 90% and something's then in your funnel and you decide to put together then a game winning proposal, then you move that into your pipeline. And then from there, when you look at your pipeline and you say, how do we feel about our chances of winning? Well, instead of just saying, hey, we saw something on Sam, we responded to it. Hey, we feel like we're going to win it. (laughs) 
Well, why do you feel like you're going to win it? Because we do it really, really well. Well, is there somebody else out there that does it really, really well? Is there an incumbent? Um, if you saw it out on Sam on Friday and it's due on Tuesday, most likely they've got somebody else in mind. We really want are, are working with our clients to really help them build a very solid pipeline. And so there's just a difference then between funnel and pipeline. So just want to yeah. mention that. Yeah, and, and I, I like the distinction you made there. And it, it's a simple one, but it's one that I think people need to understand. When it comes to that bid, no bid, I, I think some people do get overwhelmed with, hey, there's 30-something questions on here, whatever it is. Once you've done it a couple of times, you almost know them by heart, and you can answer all 30 of them in seconds almost, you know, take a couple of minutes. And the thing that I've seen from a lot of folks is, again, like we were talking before about, do you use your status up front? Do you not? They look at that and say, well, if it doesn't get a score of 85 or better, then I can't chase it. And my thing is, no, that means maybe you shouldn't. Like if you got a 60 on it, there's a good chance you shouldn't. But could you do things that turn a no into a yes? Like if you don't have past performance with that agency today, do you have a teaming partner that does? Exactly. If not, yeah. could you get a teaming partner? And that turns that question and a whole bunch of other things into a yes. There's little things like that. It's used as not only a decision-making tool, but a strategy tool of yes. if I don't have this, I need to get it or I shouldn't bid. I, I think that's a really important distinction, again, where people see a tool and they only use it at the surface level. And th there's layers to the tool and how you use it to become more effective. Because at the end of the day, it really is isn't about filling your pipeline, even though we're going to be talking about fill, you know, ways to fill the pipeline. <laughs> At the end of the day, you want to win things. You, yes, you, you want to win. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to people that have $50 million in their pipeline, but aren't winning. And it's, exactly. it's because they don't have a good proposal strategy. They don't understand their value. They don't understand the goals of the agency. They're all over the map talking to 20 different agencies instead of laser focused. And there's things like that. So they have a really healthy pipeline, but it's worthless because they're not executing on that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, we're ultimately judged by are you winning contracts or not? That's how every small business is judged. So so let's back up and talk more about some strategies because I know for a lot of small businesses, that really is a focus for them. They're like, how do I put opportunities into the pipeline? Because even though there's, there's so many different ways to do it, I think it's very overwhelming. Sam is overwhelming to a lot of people. Ultimately, Ultimately, I, I do see a lot of people throw up their hands and say, look, the only thing that's going in my pipeline is if I do a search in SAM and it spits out a result and then we'll we'll decide whether, <laughs> whether we want that or not. And that's yeah. it. That's like the end of the story. There's no other way to put something in your pipeline. So why don't you talk about some, some ways that you find are really important to filling that pipeline for small businesses? So this is very interesting. Uh, just last Wednesday, I did a Govology webinar in which I talked about four basic fundamentals really for selling to the federal government. For me, and I'll just go through this on a very high level, to me, it always starts with my NACE code. And I use the NACE code in different ways. But once I identify the client's NACE code, then we'll we'll jump over to USA Spin. And I just love, you, you know, you've, you've showed me so much on USA Spin and I, I absolutely just love it. But you had mentioned something that really helps me 
when I deal with one of the clients to not just go after 20 or so agencies, but to do things really effectively and smart. So once we identify the NACE code, we can easily plug into USA Spin which agencies are buying that NACE code. And we'll plug in a few NACE codes, we'll get a few agencies, but what we have done is we have now narrowed down the focus from all of these different agencies out there to around four or five. And that's a really, really good number and it's a really good way to get started. Once they've gotten started and we attack these four to five agencies, let's just go ahead and say five. Well, then there are a lot of things that we really need to get to know about that agency. What are the goals of the agency? What's, what, what's the budget of the agency? Are they meeting their small economically disadvantaged goals? Maybe they've done really well with 8A, but they haven't done so well with woman-owned or hub-zoned. And as a matter of fact, I'll just stop, put a little caveat on that. Uh, working with a particular agency and with some clients, I know for a fact that they are not hitting their woman-owned or their hub-zoned goals. Now, I am steering my clients then that have the NACE codes and that have those economically disadvantaged categories. I am steering them to that agency because I've talked with people with inside that agency. And every time I introduce a client and we bring an opportunity to the table, the people with inside the agency, they love that. They are greeting us with open arms. So let me just go back to then identifying and getting to know then the agency, everything about that, trying to meet as many people as we can can tailor making our capability statements. I even had one client, once we knew which agencies we wanted to attack, we put them in order from one to five. We started to tailor make the capability statement for each of those agencies, even down to what they're doing on a program level. Now, when we sent that over to the small business folks, they were blown away by that. Just two days ago, we got a meeting set up and an introduction set up because we did that. And that we only worked with this client for about two to three months. So by being strategic, by being very purposeful, now when we are putting proposals together, putting that in the pipeline, we've done a lot of homework. In fact, the bid, no bid sheet, I love how you mentioned that people, I don't, we don't look at that as in the negative. And we almost have those things memorized. So by the time I'm sitting down with a client and we're talking about something in their head, in my head, we've already done, we don't need to necessarily sit down with that sheet mm -hmm. because we, I, we've, I've coached them up enough. And when they say, hey, this is a great opportunity, we talk to these people. We know that they're going to be doing this. We have the past performance for this. We don't need to sit down and go over that sheet every single time because we have worked the situation. We have worked the opportunity. And now when we put, put that into our pipeline and we put it out as a proposal, we feel really good, 90, 95, 99% sure that we're probably going to win that opportunity. All that information is there. Once you go over it, like you said, you should be looking then at each opportunity that you're reading and going over with really that critical eye. You know, now I have known some people, Mike, their philosophy is we're going to try to put out five to 10 proposals a month. And, and they do that. They might win one opportunity every six months. If that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. That's not my philosophy. Right. And I, I really want to work with my clients to train them, to get them prepared, to build relationships so that they're not just throwing darts at a dartboard. Yeah, and, and I do think that is the way a lot of people do it. Oh, they they do, definitely. They, they Their goal is to hire a proposal writer and look at NACE codes and say, this fits our category. We don't know anybody within this agency, but we're going to write a mm -hmm. great proposal. Yeah, and it just goes back to 
it doesn't matter what you put in your pipeline. It matters what you win, right? What you win. And, and so, like, people get really excited and all geeked out when they run some reports and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, you know, there's 12 opportunities we can add to our pipeline today. Like, But out of those, how many can you win? How many do you know anything about those agencies? And I think I, I should say what you're describing also sounds like people that are brand new to the market. If I'm brand new to the market, that's why I'm probably going to pick those four or five agencies. If I've been in the market longer, I've probably already looked at some and maybe I can narrow it down even further to just two or three. Exactly. Yes. I, I, I've yes. got clients that only work with one agency and they're some of my most profitable clients. I had like one client that started there several years ago, and now I've got several that all have one client. And the way they're looking at it, and to me, this is where you really focus, is instead of going an inch deep and a mile wide across mm-hmm. the government, they're going an inch wide and a mile deep. They're like, hey, yes. if I'm going to work with the CDC, guess what? There are six main silos at the CDC. So why, why in the world would I, if I only have contracts at the CDC, why would I go and start chasing contracts with the Army or the Navy or the FBI or whoever where I don't have any past performance and I don't know anyone? Now, if there's a contract that's in your wheelhouse, awesome, but why not look at even one or two other of those silos within the CDC first and get some more past performance? And then once I've really got a good system for that, you can go to the next one because, you know, you and I have talked about this before on some podcasts. I've talked with Carol at Govology about this before. Not everything makes it to Sam. Correct. Not everything. Yes. So if your whole strategy is I'm going to wait for opportunities to drop on Sam, there's probably anywhere from 60 to 80% of the opportunities out there you're never going to see because you're see. not talking to the contracting office, the small business office, all those places. And, and look, talking to those people doesn't get you a contract per se, but talking to them lets you know about things. And they're like, hey, yeah, we're doing this and we're going to run it through NASA Super. We're doing this yep. and we're going to run it on Oasis. We're doing this and we're going to run it on GS, this contract vehicle, that whatever it might be. And so if you're not having those conversations, you're like, man, I see the agency is spending all this money, but nothing's ever coming out on Sam. There's a reason. There's a reason. There's, <laughs> There's a, a reason. reason. So like it, it, to add really qualified stuff to your pipeline for the agency you're trying to work with, you've got to get to know those people. So I want to go back to something you said for a minute there where you said earlier, it was just two or three months. And some people are like, God, two or three months. Look, I've seen people do this on their own and take five years to years. figure, years. <laughs> to figure yes. it out and Especially still not have like it. in the like in the 8a you know the 8a you have nine years you yeah. have nine years and most waste most four of, of them right that's it that's it they get four or five years into it and say we haven't done a darn thing yeah that's and right so- <laughs> that's right so so yeah, so to, to get some traction in two or three months, like you said, it takes a little while to build a relationship and have the conversations and get on somebody's calendar. But if we're patient, at the end of the day, even if it takes you six months to really get two or three contracts on, under your belt, you're likely 10 times faster than everybody else out there that's trying to learn the market. So I'm going to talk about two clients. I'm not going to mention any names specifically, but you'll know who I'm talking about. But we have one client that started out on the advisor level. They've got a woman-owned and a hub-zone status. He spent one month on advisor, 
And because we did lead with his hub zone status and we found the right people to talk to, he's already gone to fast track because we have already had three meetings with contracting officers in a month and a half. And the last conversation that we had, the small business person is going to put us in front of the director for this agency a month and a half. And now we led because we know, we knew that they needed to hit their hub zone small business goal. So we led with that. And that was a perfect one. The other client has been with us a while and we're really, we got them with a, a, a large partner. That relationship is just taking off. Well, one of the things that we found out when looking at a particular agency is that this agency is so big that there are four account executives for this large partner. We were kind of blown away with that. And so now we're going to get to meet the whole team. We're going to get to meet the director and we are just going to focus in on one agency. And in particular, I think only what three bureaus or four, maybe underneath that, because that's where the money is. You Mm -hmm. know, we we've examined it, we've looked at it and their feedback was like, wow, you guys have done your homework. You do know the agency. And then we broke that down even further. So for them, they needed a small business partner that was an economically disadvantaged small business so that they're going to get that. And so, yeah, just how beautiful that relationship with a large partner has come into play. Now, I did introduce them and I've introduced the two you know, companies together. That's another angle and another way of filling up the pipeline of opportunities is that, you know, when people are working with myself, I've done this now for about 20 years. And in that IT realm, I know a lot of these large businesses, a yeah. lot of these people. That always helps. And so, That always helps. And so those are just things that we do bring to the table here with Game Changers with Federal Access as we have done it. And so, yeah, you might read a book, you might watch one of the training videos and think, well, you know what, that philosophy doesn't line up with Mike Lejeune or or David Neal, or they're, they're different. Well, you and I have different backgrounds. You've done it one way, I've done it one way. But our goal, our goal then is to help our client in what ever way we can right and and to help them like you said to win to help them put things in their pipeline that they're going to be able to win so i don't mind the diversity and the background yeah. no I, I think it's great and, and again I, I think we all have that one foot we put forward first that's our go-to strategy yeah but i have a whole bag of tools in my toolkit and there are days when i'll put the hammer away and i'll go get the screwdriver and there are days i'll put that away and i'll look for how like i don't even know what tool i <laughs> what tool should i get here and that's where i can reach out to you or you can reach out to me or josh or anybody else on the team and say here's the thing i'm trying to do what tool should i use what's going to be most effective and we may try one or two tools maybe a third tool and it may be the fourth tool that works on that because part of this is a trial and error even though we're focused on what usually works because guess what sometimes you talk to an agency and the go-to person there is not helpful and the next person that's the go-to person is not helpful and then you try the the strategy with the large primes and it doesn't work and so you go through a series of this is what normally works but the thing that I've really been teaching a lot of clients lately is every agency has to have its own strategy oh yeah so when I sit down and, yeah, when I sit down and look at a strategy, you know, here's another example. I went to Fort Hood. That's where I was when I was in the Army. And even at Fort Hood, when you're looking at 1st Cav or 4th Infantry Division, you likely will have a different strategy for each of those, even yeah. though they're on the same base. And that's okay. But that's where when you start building that strategy, you just have to make it unique to where you're, where you're trying to chase. And that determines, am I using a screwdriver today? Am I using a hammer? Yeah. Am I using a little bit of both? 
you know, what what do I need? Or maybe I need to whip out the power drill on this one <laughs> because, <laughs> because I, I need something extra or whatever it may be. But that, again, goes back to the art and science of doing this. If I were to kind of put a bow on the whole conversation here, this is how you fill your pipeline. You fill your pipeline by being That's strategic. You fill it. your pipeline by talking to the right people and finding about opportunities that you're not going to hear about on Sam. Because I know some people are like, well, just tell us the website to go to and what to punch in to spit out opportunities. You're only going to get 20% of what's out there if you do that. Exactly. Yeah, but if, but exactly. if you if you meet the people and you start having these conversations and doing your due diligence, you're going to uncover things that you would have never heard about before. And those yep. things are going to go in your pipeline. But instead of them being a 40 or 50% chance, they're going to be a 75, 85 yes. or yes. better percent chance because you're doing it through a relationship instead of through a website. That's the thing that drives me crazy is people somehow believe they're developing a relationship with their Sam.gov account. (laughs) I'm like, like, no one else can see your relationship with Sam. No one else can see your relationship with FPDS. Like those relationships don't matter at the end of the day. You've got to have a conversation with a human being. And that's, if I were to use the word, the game changer. Right? That's, that's the, that's that's the game changer. So, so. You know, I, in the time that I've been with Federal Access and Game Changers, I think there's only been one client where the formula didn't work. And you know who I'm talking about. I know about. exactly who you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. One, now they're still with us because they're figuring things out. And the beautiful thing is one other teammate was able to jump in and is still working with them because they had to go all the way back to the basics, right? Yeah, I look at that percentage of clients that we work with. 99% of the clients that we work with, we're going to be able to help. In the formula way, works. Shape or yeah. fashion. Right. And that formula is going to be unique to each of them. We don't yeah, have a true. cookie cutter to just say, okay, here's a 8A company where you're going to do it this way, or here's a woman-owned company. Okay, you're going to do it this way. Each company is different. Each agency that you're going to sell to is different. Within the agencies, like you mentioned, it's going to be different. That's the beautiful thing then about just throwing, get a bunch of stuff, throw it into that funnel, but we're going to help you take it from that funnel to a solid pipeline where you are going to be able to win opportunities and be able to look at that pipeline and say, you know what? My percentage is about... 90% versus other people putting out 90 proposals and hoping to win one, two, or three, or four, or five proposals. So I take our chances. I I like our chances. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't like the whole, let's just, let's focus on a number of proposals because man, there's so much work that goes into that where, especially in the beginning, I want to work on proposals. I know we've got a really good shot. I don't want to just spend proposal money. So yeah. Uh, So great conversation overall. I don't know if you've got any parting thoughts or I I think we kind of most of it so yeah i did a govology um last week i'm gonna go back in uh they asked me to come back in in july to do a little bit deeper dive on the subjects that we're just now talking about how do we use those nace codes to then partner with large businesses how can we find those right teaming opportunities how can we dive deeper uh, into the goals and uh, philosophies of each of the agencies so i'm going to be doing that in july and then we're just working you know day to day taking care of clients so if you're an economically disadvantaged small business, 8A, woman-owned, hub-zone, service-disabled veteran, veteran-owned small business, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, and just a small business. Sometimes you don't have any, anything but small business. That works too. That That is one of those statuses. So thanks, David. I really appreciate it. I re- appreciate everything you do for our clients. I love working with you. We have we have such a good relationship. I, I yeah, enjoy it a whole it. lot. And uh, 
You're my coach. Thank yeah. you, coach. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're really well, you're it. you're welcome. I really appreciate it. Thanks again. Hey, have a great day, Mike. Take care, everyone. Bye now. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers. Thank you.